hey, uh, it's worth celebrating when God does something great among the people of God. So last week after Ken Costa finished preaching, we went back into worship for about 15 minutes of extended worship, extemporaneous, it wasn't planned. And after the service was over, we were standing down here talking and a guy named Aaron came up, Aaron's here tonight, and he said, let me tell you what happened to me during the last song. And I said, great, tell me what happened. And he said, I was there worshiping and I felt someone's hand go down my head and the back of my neck. And I was kind of like, uh, no one was there. And Aaron had 15% range of motion in his head, in his neck for 11 years and terrible neuropathy in his, uh, his nerve endings, pain, excruciating pain. And he said, when the hand went down the back of my neck, I heard five bones crack. And, he, and then he started doing this. Aaron, would you stand up tonight? You still got it, bro? You still got it? <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. Yes. 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 He's been going to physical therapy for 11 years and was just at it right before church. And, and so he went back this week and he showed them what he could do. And they're like, it's a miracle. You dang straight it is. Jesus is good and we believe that he still moves today by his spirit. So when those moments happen, you just got to celebrate it. So we celebrate with you, Aaron. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 4. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen. We're continuing our series called Who is God? We did eight weeks on God the Father, and we're in week two now of God the Son, talking about Jesus Christ, and trying to get to the elemental, uh, bedrock, subterranean core of who God is in Jesus. And so tonight, I want to talk to you out of Hebrews chapter 4. And I'll read you these three verses and then we'll pray and jump in. So the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest, that is Jesus, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not, say we do not. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Pause there. Go back, if we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize, which is to say positively, we do have a high priest who is able to empathize with our weakness. He goes on to say, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. Jesus has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And because of that, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, thanks be to God, let's pray. Lord, do it again. Do what you did last week, healing Aaron and speaking to your people and putting the world right in little micro moments, would you do it again? You know what we carry into this evening, you know what we sit with as we sit in these rows and as we worship you and we lift our hands, you know what that costs us at any given moment. You know the cares that we have, the fears that we have, the questions that we have, the aches that we have. And so Lord, we're asking you to come and do it again, speak and move among your people 
and heal and deliver and restore. Settle me in, Lord. I landed at 3.43 today and drove up to Larkspur for a 5.30 and now I'm here. I need a deep breath. (laughs) So settle me in as the preacher and I just pray you would override the system tonight. I am so frail and we are so weak and we need you to override and be God. (laughs) So be God. If you do that, we'll be just fine. We pray, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We pray tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Have you ever been with someone who was there but wasn't really there? (laughs) Uh, I remember having a meal not long ago with someone who asked for my time and during the meal, they just kept looking at their phone and checking things. And, and I, sometimes you just got to get quiet to let them feel it, right? Like, what are you doing? If you don't want to talk to me, then don't ask me for lunch. But put that dumb phone away. Have you ever been with someone who's there, but they just aren't? really there you're like sharing deep from your heart and you just got this glazed over look or or you're wanting to get feedback and they just are just they're not fully I think a lot of us think about Jesus this way we think that Jesus in his earthly ministry the gospels that we read about his works that that he was he was there but he wasn't fully there like like he he's God uh, but he's not really one of us He's there, but he's not really there. Anyone ever see the movie Men in Black, the first one? I am not endorsing that movie right now. I just need you to hear that. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, I thought our pastor was a Christian. And I'm not endorsing it. I'm just asking if you've seen it. If you haven't, just consider yourself innocent and going to heaven. If you have, repent and be baptized. But remember this moment that I'm about to bring up. Do you remember Edgar the farmer? Edgar the farmer? He was sitting in his, I want to show you the first picture of Edgar the farmer. He was sitting in his house, minding his own business with his wife in this really quaint little old America place, having, I'm sure, uh, chicken fried steak and mashed potatoes and, and greens. And he was just minding his own business and he heard a ruckus outside of his house one night. And he goes outside and there was this big crater in the earth. Something had smashed into the earth. And he goes over to the edge of the crater with his shotgun. You know, how big an old boy are you? He's going to take care of business. And he goes over there and uh, uh, the, the cockroach. I forget the, this like this crazy uh, 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 interstellar terrorist and the main antagonist of the first movie. This dark uh, a cockroach comes and snatches Edgar's body and overtakes his body. Like he takes Edgar out of his body, and the interstellar terrorist moves into. Let's look at the second picture. Do you remember this? <laughs> oh, oh. And he walks around the rest of the movie, oh, trying to fake his humanity. I'm Edgar the Farmer. And it's a really clunky character. It's this interstellar terrorist kind of jammed into Edgar's tent, you know, of his body. And I think we think of Jesus like this. It's like this, this over, you know, from, from the heavens, this uh, takeover, but he, he moved into a human body, uh, but he wasn't really fully human, and he didn't understand. He's kind of, oh, you know, healing people. Oh, 5,000 men eat today, and oh, oh, oh. And we, like, we don't believe the incarnation is true. 
that God is actually fully God in Jesus Christ and fully man in Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the coming together perfectly, not 50-50, but 100 and 100 coming together. That God has united himself to us, the, the human race in Jesus Christ. I don't think we, we generally believe that. And in the early church, uh, first couple hundred years after Jesus' resurrection and ascension, there were several heresies going around. Uh, the, the Asia Minor world, Middle, Middle Eastern world, over North Africa. And a couple of these heresies I'll put in front of you. One was called docetism, and it comes from the Greek word dokeo, which means to seem. Docetism is, is this heresy that says Jesus only seemed human, but he was faking his humanity. Sure, yeah, like he was around and he fed people we could like touch him, but it wasn't real. He only seemed to be fully human. There was another heresy going around, Apollinarianism, which said that Christ had a human body, but he didn't have a human mind or soul. This is a very important distinction. Like we may go, oh, that was in the 300s and why does that even matter? Because if Jesus, I hope by the end of this talk tonight, you'll understand that it matters that Jesus had and has a human mind and a human soul. They said, yeah, he had a body, but he wasn't fully one of us. So I think a lot of people think of Jesus this way. But the scriptures and the creeds rebuke those heresies. And I want you to notice, and some of these texts we'll read tonight, notice the humanity, the physicality, the relationality of these texts that talk about Jesus. Galatians 4, verse 4 says, But when the time set had fully come, God sent his son, Jesus, born of a, born under the, okay, God sent his son from heaven, but he was born of a woman and born under the law to redeem those, us, who are under the law, that we might receive adoption as children. Now pay attention to the movement here. God sent his son from above who was born from below of a woman and he was under the law. He lived, he was, the Roman Empire was the dominant uh, force on the planet. He understood what was going on. He had to pay taxes too. Jesus ate food. He's, he, he, he was born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those of us who are under the law, that we might receive adoption as children. Do you see the downward trajectory? Jesus coming then from the soil, Jesus coming from the human body, so that we who are down here might be born of above. Do you see down, up, up, down, and he takes us back up. I want you to see that Jesus is born of a woman born under the law. The next text I want you to see is that the word became flesh. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. This is Jesus he's talking about. And the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. I want you to see that Jesus is God in utero. He's in Mary's womb, that he's, he's God being fed by umbilical cord in the womb of his mother. He's God when he's born, being sustained at the breast of Mary. He's being nurtured by his mother. He's being taken care of by his kind of 
side father. He's got the father in heaven and Joseph is doing a great job and Joseph teaches him to be a carpenter. Joseph raises him up. Jesus goes to the, the religious festivals as a kid. I, I want you to see that this isn't God just faking it, but this is God entering into and becoming one with. He's, he's being made one with us. John goes on after saying the word became flesh That's John 1 and John 2. You've got the first miracle, right? Jesus goes to a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And what does he do? He turns the water into wine. John tells seven miracle stories in quick succession. Bang, 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 bang. He knocks through these seven stories of Jesus as his ministry is launched. So he turns the water into wine. He heals the royal official's son in Capernaum. There's the healing of the paralytic at the pool of Bethesda. There's the feeding of the 5,000 men, not including women and children. There's Jesus walking on the water in a storm. There's the healing of the man born blind from birth. And then there's the raising of Lazarus in John chapter 11. We get these seven signs in quick succession, these seven miracles. And I just wrote this down in my journal this week, and I'm just gonna take you into this little paragraph that I wrote up, because we're here talking about God the Son being made one with humankind. We're talking about the incarnation, that Jesus wasn't faking it. Jesus is fully God and fully us. So I want you to read this paragraph. In these seven miracles in the book of John, Jesus is tangled up in complex family relationships. He's RSVP'd to and attended a wedding celebration. He's been pressed into volunteering at a social function that he didn't want to volunteer at. He's accidentally hosted a large outdoor festival with hungry, raucous crowds. His work is being threatened by volatile weather systems and bomb cyclones. He's having healthcare conversations. He's having political conversations. He's demolishing social caste systems. He's restoring economic solvency to the poor. He's visiting funeral homes. He's comforting bereaved sisters. He's weeping because his friend has died. I didn't write that in there, but I should add that. He's functioning as a triage nurse. He's giving people bread and wine because at the end of the day, we humans all have to eat. Jesus sounds like a thoroughly human God-man to me. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth. But the question I wanna ask tonight is why does it matter that God became human? Why would it matter if God only took on a body and was Edgar the farmer going about doing good and healing all those who are oppressed of the devil? I mean, like, you would think, you would think, like, the miracles themselves, it was good that the water was turned into wine. It was good that the 5,000 people ate that day. It was good that the, the royal official's son got raised up. Like, these are all good things. The, 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 the paralytic at the pool of Bethesda, like, they still went home with their miracle. Why do we need God to be human if God can still be powerful and be Edgar the farmer. Like, why does that matter? I'll tell you tonight why that matters. St. Gregory of Nazianzen in 329 AD said, that which has not been assumed by Jesus has not been healed. If Jesus did not assume a human will, that in us which suffered first has not been healed. 
That which has not been assumed has not been healed. And if you go back to the very beginning in Genesis chapter three, when the story breaks apart and chaos and sin and death and and separation and alienation and vexation, all of that enters the world. When you go back to Genesis three, what you find is it was the human desiring mechanism that was broken in us first before we sinned. Sin was just the symptom of the, of the brokenness that was hiding inside of Adam and Eve in the garden. So if Jesus doesn't take on the human desiring mechanism, if Jesus doesn't take on the human mind, if Jesus doesn't take on the human will, if Jesus is just Edgar the farmer doing good works, then that which broke in us first has not been touched by Jesus. That which has not been assumed has not been healed. So if Jesus didn't take on human desire, our desiring mechanism is hopelessly broken. Hebrews 4, 15, we read this text earlier, but it says, now that we know that we have, now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He has been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. Jesus was the one who was tempted and who remained faithful. Jesus is the one. He goes out into the wilderness for 40 days of fasting and prayer and the enemy comes out there just as the enemy came into the garden with Adam and Eve and he he puts the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life in front of Jesus just as he did with Adam and Eve. They took the bait and Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written. He was out there. He was hungry, just like you and I are hungry. He was thirsty, just like you and I were thirsty. And by 40 days, he had tipped over onto the verge of anxiety and his body is shutting down and his, his humanity is fraying at the edges. And here the enemy has got him backed up against the ropes in the corner. He's backing him down and ready for the death blow. If I can just get Jesus, if I can get God to fail, then the rest of the story is broken and Jesus is up against the ropes and he's saying, it is written, it is written, it is written and he stays faithful and in staying faithful, what Jesus is doing is he's reliving the Israel story, he's reliving the Adam and Eve story, he's reliving the human story and setting it right. If Jesus has assumed a human desiring mechanism, then that means his faithfulness has fixed the human desiring. We can be whole in Jesus Christ. I'll say it this way. Jesus brought all of his divinity into our humanity so that he might take up all of our humanity into his divinity. Jesus comes down and brings all of his divinity into our humanity. The word became flesh and dwelt among us so that he might take all of our humanity up into his divinity. The, the saints of old called it theosis, where, where humans get to become like God in the right way. Jesus has made that possible because he assumed the human desiring mechanism. So I wanna ask the question tonight, what do we do with this Jesus? If he's become one of us, if he's brought together heaven and earth in himself, What do we do with this Jesus? I'll just simply say we let him heal us. We let him heal us. We we come before Jesus every day and let him heal us. The writer of Hebrews says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We all have brokenness inside of us. 
And how will we ever get free? We all have hatred inside of us. And what does Jesus say in that moment? He says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And as we allow Jesus by his spirit to fill us, that hatred that is right there at the top of us gets displaced and gets driven out. It gets exercised. We get set free from the terror of the enemy that would get us wrapped up in hatred. We come to Jesus and we let him heal us. We all have fear. And what does Jesus say time and time again? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. I do not give the peace that the world gives unto you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Jesus is always saying peace be still. He didn't just say it that day in the storm out on the Sea of Galilee. If you will come and sit at the feet of Jesus every morning, Jesus will take the tempest that is your mind and your heart and your soul and your imagination and he will rebuke the wind and the waves and give you that peace be still so you can leave your house and give the peace of God to a crazy world. We come to Jesus. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with confidence that we'll receive mercy and find favor in our time Of need, we let Jesus heal us to the deepest parts of our being. We all have some form of greed or or self-interest or circling up the wagon, self-protectionism. And Jesus, what does he do? He stretches out his arms. He invites a traitor to his dinner table. Who in the world would do that? Hey, Judas, love you, man. Come here. Hey, Peter, I know. I know. Come on. This is my body, which is broken for you. This is my blood, which is shed for you. Hey, Thomas, it's okay. Come to my father's table. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll never leave you hungry. You'll never go thirsty. If you trust in me, it's okay. I'll wash all your sins away. Uh, Trust me, I've got you. Come to my table. In a world of greed and self-interest and self-protectionism, we stretch out our arms even if it costs us our lives. And in so doing, we become like Jesus and the world gets healed. We come to Jesus every single day and we let him heal us to the deepest places. Jesus lived free of sloth. Jesus in the darkest time of his life. What do you find? You find him climbing up Golgotha with a a cross on his back. Man, there's so many times when I wanna quit. There's so many times where life gets difficult or relationships get difficult or the work is too hard. I just wanna give up and, and I just, I can't get the image out of my mind of Jesus climbing up the hill with the, with the, the cross they would crucify him on. He doesn't stop. How in the world could you do that? I can't do that on my own, but if I'll come every morning of my life and fall on my knees in that little room and I shut the door and I open the book and it's nothing glamorous and it's nothing always, it's just, it's just I'm, a, I'm desperate for you, Jesus. I have nothing without you. I want to hate people. I want to be anxious. I want to be self-protectionistic. I want to quit when it gets hard. But fill me with your Holy Spirit, Jesus. And something happens. Jesus heals us, friends. What do we do with this God who is man and this man who is God, who is heaven and earth colliding together? We let him come and touch us 
to the deepest places so that increasingly all the more until that day when he splits the eastern sky, we are yet becoming like him in a world that is desperate for people to look like Jesus. A great theologian, Gerhard Ford, said this one day. He said, Jesus is the one in whom God does God to us. I like that. Think about your morning quiet time. Some of you are like, all I do is like 10 minutes. Let God do God to you. Before you leave the house, let God do God to you. Fill me. Forgive me. Renew me. Anoint me with your Holy Spirit. Help me when the enemy comes to me to tempt me today. Help me to say, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Give me your words today. Give me your spirit today. Fill me with the fruit of the spirit today. Let love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control more naturally grow from the fruit of my life. I don't have it, but I need you, God, to do God to me. Fill me with the spirit of Jesus today. In 1930, C.S. Lewis started training to scuba dive. I can only imagine what the gear was like in 1930. Like some leather bag and some little troll in there breathing up or something. Like, I mean, like you must have almost died every time you went scuba diving in 1930. Like just horrendous technology. But in 1930, he's over there in England. He's writing, he's writing and at this point, he's just coming back to faith. And he's scuba diving, and in 1939, we know what happened in Europe with Germany, Hitler, and the madness overtaking really the globe. But he was living in the middle of that in 1944, just as the war was beginning to find its end. C.S. Lewis was praying one day and writing one day, and he remembered his experience scuba diving as he was thinking about what it means to say that God in Jesus Christ is God incarnate, God and and, and man coming together, heaven and earth kissing in Jesus Christ. his, His scuba diving days came back to him as he was thinking about the incarnation, the word becoming flesh. And I'm gonna read to you a long text here from Oxford professor Alistair McGrath, who has been a C.S. Lewis scholar for so many years. He writes, Lewis invited his audience to imagine a diver plunging into a deep ocean to retrieve a lost precious object. As he goes deeper, the water changes from warm and sunlit to pitch black and freezing. Then, his lungs almost bursting, he goes down into the mud and slime before finally heading back to the surface, triumphantly bearing the lost object. And what is this lost yet precious object that merited this dangerous and difficult descent? It is human nature. God descended into his own universe and rose again, bringing human nature up with him. For Lewis, the doctrine of the incarnation shows us that God dived down into the bottom of creation and he came up again, bearing the whole redeemed nature on his shoulders. The exertion, even danger faced by the diver is a mark of the value of what has fallen down through the deep water and into the mud. Lewis invites us to think of a diving God who plunges into a dark and distant world to bring us home to where we really belong and where we really matter. 
perhaps it is natural for us to think that we must make our own way home, ascending from the depths in our own strength. Yet Lewis's analogy proposes a counter-narrative that God entered into the depths of our world in order to bear us home. We didn't do this. He did this. And the word became flesh. And he dwelt among us. And God dove to the deep, dark bottom of our sin and our chaos and the abysmal confusion that had overtaken the world. And he dove into the very depth of it on the cross, despising its shame. And he suffered that final blow on the cross. And he said, it is finished. And he went into the grave on the third day. On the third day, he rose up again in accordance with the scriptures. And he ascended into heaven. Don't miss this. He ascended into heaven with his body. This wasn't a spirit that floated up into the ether and he's sprinkling fairy dust. This wasn't Edgar the farmer ascending to the right hand. This was God, man, Jesus Christ, ascending to the right hand of the Father, which means he took you and me up with him. He took our human nature up with him. He took our will up with him. He took our desires up with him. He took our emotions up with him. He took our imagination and our mindset and our sexual drive up with him and he redeemed it once and for all. And so if we will come and fall at the feet of Jesus and let God do God to us every day, don't look now, but you'll show up in a decade looking really good like Jesus. Friends, it matters when we say God is the incarnate one who in Jesus Christ united himself irrevocably with the human condition. He came low so that we could be raised high. I'll say it this way. Our call is to come to Jesus every day so that his spirit can fill us. But we can only come to Jesus because Jesus came to us first. Friends, the word became flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory And every single day we should spend our time beholding his glory. And if you do, the hatred will leave and the anxiety will be revoked and the confusion will be cast out and you'll hear the great peace be still and you'll live with your arms open in a self-protectionistic world. Friends, it matters that the word became flesh and it matters that Jesus begins to fill us with his spirit every single day. Let God do God to you and watch and see what happens to the world. The word became flesh, and that means everything for the human condition. Can you say amen tonight? Church, stand with me as we come to this moment to receive communion. Could I have a communion element, please? And if you don't have communion elements, would you raise your hand, and our team will come quickly through the room to bring it to you. Let's just take 30 seconds here and Take a deep breath before we receive communion. If you don't have communion, raise your hand. The team's coming. Right over here. Maybe someone just take out your wafer and break it and let Jesus multiply it and give it to her. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. That we're, there we go. Perfect. Think about Jesus on the night that he was betrayed. Think about what he didn't give us. Before we think about what he did give us, think about what he didn't give us. Jesus did not give us happy thoughts and positive vibes. Jesus did not give us a theological textbook. Hey, study this, really get this in you. 
He didn't even give them the scriptures. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread. And he broke it, and you know what happened? Crumbs went everywhere. The word became flesh. God is the God of heaven and earth coming together. God is the God who is spirit and flesh. And Jesus takes the bread, and he breaks it, and he says, this is my body which is broken for you, and I'm giving it to you. I'm going to feed you a good meal tonight. And every time you remember this, remember me, that this is the God of flesh and bone and blood. This is the God of bread and wine. So tonight, as you receive this bread, there's all kinds of things we could think about at the communion table. But I want you to think about the God who has made flesh in Jesus Christ coming into our stories, embodying our nature, and healing it to the deepest places. That which has not been assumed has not been healed, but that which has been assumed has been healed. Friends, tonight, just maybe like Aaron last week, your bodies, some bodies are gonna get healed tonight. Some minds are gonna get healed tonight. Some relationships are gonna get healed tonight complex set of emotions that you're carrying right now can get healed and touched and addressed by Jesus who knows. We do not have a great high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weakness. He is able because he's been there. So tonight, would you give him your brokenness and let him give you his broken body so that you might be healed? Jesus, we give you thanks. We give you thanks. We give you thanks for coming our way. We give you thanks for taking on our complexity. We give you thanks for even letting us nail you to a tree. You didn't have to do that. We bless you tonight, Jesus, and we thank you that you came low so that we might be raised up, and tonight as we receive this bread, would you raise us up afresh? We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Church, you may receive the bread. On the same night, Jesus took the cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant and it's given in my blood for the remission of your sins. For the remission of your sins. For the remission of your sins. (laughs) No, seriously, for the remission of your sins. Jesus was unapologetically for us (laughs) and he remains unapologetically for us and he doesn't keep a scoreboard and he's not there to point the finger and he's not there to make us feel stupid. And the psalmist said, if you kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But you're the one who's taken our sins and you've buried them into the sea of forgetfulness. You don't remember it. All you see is children of God. Friends, you are forgiven. You are loved. Jesus is for you. Tonight is a fresh start because Jesus has made it a fresh start. Tonight, God is doing God to us. And so you may receive this cup tonight, the forgiveness of your sins. Let's worship the Lord from the depths of our being tonight.
sing it out.
you alone. We love so many stupid things. We love little lesser gods that will never pay off. So tonight I pray that you would free us from every idol. Free us from every lesser love. Free us from foolish distractions. Free us from cheap substitutes. Free us from the corners that we cut thinking we'll get the payoff. We say tonight, Jesus, you alone are worthy. Who else is like you? Who else has done what you've done? I would have given up on me and on all of us a long time ago. You didn't. So we worship you. Tonight I pray for my friends. Church, I pray that you would fall in love with Jesus. The one who was and is and is to come. The one who will last. Pray for some of you where it's been really difficult. I pray that you would enter into a season of ease. Following Jesus. Because you want to. Pray that your desiring mechanism would be healed by Jesus tonight. Pray that the Lord our God would bless you. That he would keep you. That he'd make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you. That the Lord would lift his bright smiling countenance upon you and all of your people. And I pray that he would grant you peace, his shalom. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, can we give God thanks for what he's done here tonight? I want to invite our prayer team to come down. If you need any prayer about any needs, we would love to stand with you and agree with you. If you're new, come see us at Guest Central in the back. Go from here in God's grace and peace. So much love.